Everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 385 as we creep ever so closer to 400. This episode today was supposed to air last week. It's an amazing conversation on a great topic. The uh, situation with the NFL and Sunday Ticket going to YouTube, owned by Google. And we recorded the podcast, and it was all set to put it together, and I was in the process. I was probably 90% done, but I called it a night, and I said, you know, we'll watch Monday Night Football. It was a big game, the Bills and the Bengals, and then the tragic events happened with DeMar Hamlin. And I, like so many viewers, was just taken aback by the whole thing. I immediately thought... You know, it's not appropriate to air a podcast about YouTube when somebody's clinging to life in a hospital. That's NFL. Like, if you're an NFL fan, you're listening to this, you're not thinking at the time about YouTube. And luckily, I, I was so floored that my f- longtime friend, David Moulton, was at the game in Cincinnati and was able the next morning to give us an eyewitness report on what he had seen uh it was remarkable and the story about hamlin you know from it's looking positive to he took the breathing tube out and he was talking and he asked if they won and the doctor who said oh you won the game of life and uh, oh my goodness it was so emotional and everything was so cool the, the I, I was amazed when the, the the coach of the Bills surprised the team and DeMar Hamlin FaceTimed the team. I, the whole thing was just so remarkable. And then the kickoff return on Sunday, that was pretty wild as well. The whole thing was just amazing. And DeMar Hamlin is on the road to recovery. Uh, the story about his charity was amazing. Everything. The, the whole story was just that. A storybook finish. I saw Sunday's games on the NFL Red Zone with uh, my boy Scott Hansen, who just a few weeks ago was on Sports with Friends with us. It was really cool getting to know him, even though uh, he claims that I knew him when I was a freshman and he was a senior. Okay. I thought a really, really classy thing that Scott did was pay respects to Andrew Siciliano and the DirecTV Red Zone channel, which is the first one of all of these. Uh, They've been around for 18 seasons. Hanson's NFL Red Zone uh, has been around for 14 seasons. So there were four years where Siciliano was it. And, you know, Andrew's an old friend, and I, I graduated with him, and he's great, and he should be back on the podcast soon. But DirecTV is losing Sunday Ticket, and Sunday Ticket is going to be on YouTube. And that's a fascinating change in the television lexicon. There's so many twists and so many questions, Um, probably more questions than there are answers. It is also week one of the NFL playoffs. Uh, The NFL is calling it Super Wild Card Weekend. How many times did they say that this weekend? It's hysterical. Unlike what we normally do on Sports with Friends, where we preview three or four games with the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow, we're going to do a little longer segment, and we're going to preview all seven wild card games on Super Wild Card Weekend. But I really want to understand the state of streaming as we enter 2023, and for that, we welcome in Tom Richardson. He is the head of strategy and development for a company called Mercury Intermedia, which is a top application development design company. He is also a professor of digital media at the sports management graduate department at Columbia University. Tom, welcome. Welcome to the show. And thanks so much for helping us break this down. Uh, Thank you, Seth. It's an honor to be on. And, And by the way, congrats as a fellow podcaster. Congrats on your success of making it to episode, what was it, 380? 384. That, that is beyond impressive. I, I think you probably know that most aspiring podcasters who think they want to get into it usually bow out after a month or two or three. 
there's there's a lot of roadkill in the podcasting business. Yeah. So good for you. We're uh, into for, our for eighth year, it and yeah. it's so funny. People have said, like, are are you thrilled about four hundred? I'm stressed about the four hundred because now I got to figure out something really special to do for four hundred. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, 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 it's literally that's how my brain works. My, I'm always thinking about the next episode. Like I was thrilled that you agreed yeah. to come on. And immediately I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do next week? And I know when do I have this plot booked? And I, I know the feeling, you know, that I've been doing this thing at Columbia, the pod at Columbia with Joe Fabrito since it was actually, we had our seventh year anniversary two weeks ago or last week. Uh, we're a little bit around, I think low 300s now, maybe 301 or two episodes. So we got a lot of, a lot of catching up to do to get to you. All right. The Sunday ticket, you know, when the NFL, announced that it had re-upped with CBS, Fox, NBC, and ESPN. People on social media asked me if I was going to do a podcast on that. And I said, not really, because that's not news. Um, What would be news is where is Sunday Ticket going? And for months, the rumor was that it was going to be on Apple TV or Amazon, possibly Disney because of the streaming service ESPN+. Um, And I could have seen it play out on all three of those services uh youtube to me i i I don't i don't have it as a tv service i i make no secret i have hulu and my reason for going for hulu over youtube was i felt weird watching television on a service that i also watched some guy make donuts at three in the morning (laughs) like i i just when i think of youtube is i think of it as creator owned and anyone can make a youtube video and that's not, you know, anybody can't make a Hulu show. Anybody can't make an Amazon Prime show. So I just, I, I don't look at YouTube as that high quality programming, but even though I'm, I've heard that their TV service is just fine. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's just fine. What I am stunned about, and I want to start the conversation here, is the price of the whole thing. Because they haven't announced prices, so I want to make sure we separate what is rumor and what is actual fact. But DirecTV was charging $79 a month for five months. You know, quick math, that's $400 mm-hmm. a season mm-hmm. for Sunday ticket. There is no way YouTube and Google is charging $400. So already the consumer wins, correct? We'll see. I mean, it's they they did not announce pricing, as you know, in the official announcement uh, or right before Christmas. Um, and everybody's waiting to see the answer. There are apparently restrictions based on their it's called their their mainstream TV deals as to how low that price can go. So I don't think it may be as dramatic a decrease. Right. As and I heard that suggesting. was one of the main reasons Apple walked away was yeah. Apple wanted to give it away for free. I mean, right. they, they wanted to charge you the six ninety nine to get Apple TV plus. And say, if you had that, you had the games kind of like you have uh, uh, Major League Baseball. They do a Major League Baseball game of the week and they were going to offer it similarly. And the NFL said no. Right. Seth, let's put this in the context. You've you've got this streaming battle. I mean, it's called the streaming wars going on where you've got the major players, of course, like Netflix and Amazon Prime and HBO excuse me, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery and uh, Disney Plus, et cetera, Disney Streaming. Apple and Google are kind of also rands in that game right now, just statistically or or just in terms of the metrics. I mean, even in in the announcement, they indicated, reminded us that the subscription base for YouTube TV is only just over 5 million, which think about that in the world of media is tiny. And Apple, right, compared Plus, to the I HBO have... Maxes and the exactly uh, and, yeah. and the Netflixes yeah. and things yeah. like that. Yeah, or, or Disney now well over 100 million, and Amazon Prime Video over 200 million, uh, and Netflix around there. So the point is, they both have a lot of work to do to catch up. And what we've learned throughout history is to catch up with a a broadcast or let's call it a, a video based medium because it's not broadcast is you need really good content. And the content in the world of sports, as you pointed out earlier, that continues to win the day and rule the roost is the NFL. I was reading something earlier, Seth, and I know you know this by now, but maybe not everybody focus on this. The NBA traditionally kind of owned Christmas Day for decades 
as kind of the key media experience, sports media experience for that holiday. This year, they went up against the NFL. And I don't know if you saw the ratings results from that day, but the NFL games on Christmas Day outrated the NBA by a factor of 5X plus. It's like 22 oh, it was, million it was versus 44 like less million. Than it was like the 44 it was crazy. million. I'm just doing averages. Yeah. So it was like yeah. average of 22 million for NFL games versus roughly five, a little bit less than five on NBA. Think about that. That's kind of stunning. I mean, it's not a surprise to those of us that follow these numbers, but it's a reminder of how valuable the content is. So it's no surprise that they stepped up and they are now have the challenge back to your question as to how they can figure out the best way to essentially re-productize Sunday ticket because it's not the same product. It was on satellite exclusively for what, uh, 27, 28 years, 29 years. As we continue to discuss the NFL and the future of the NFL and streaming with YouTube, there are seven NFL wildcard playoff games. The league is calling it Super Wildcard Weekend. And to preview all of them and to give you the latest odds, let's bring in the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. All right, we'll start with the NFC and the Seahawks and the 49ers. That's the first game, the early game on Saturday. Uh, the 49ers finished at 13-4. and four. The Seahawks squeaked in when the Lions beat the Packers on Sunday night football. Uh, the Seahawks come in a double-digit underdog, and yet here are the Niners going in. Is it Brock Purdy? Is Brock Purdy going to lead them to the promised land? Seth, uh, it, it's, it continues to be just absolutely nuts what the 49ers have been able to get out of Brock Purdy. Uh, the, the third quarterback that they've run under center this year. And he looks great. He has been so strong. The 49ers have really not missed a beat since he's been under center for them. There's even some talk of offensive rookie of the year numbers for a guy who started the year as Mr. Irrelevant. Seahawks have had a fantastic year. Geno Smith's looked good. He's there as uh, you know comeback player of the year conversation. But unfortunately for the Seahawks team, uh, they, you know, they outperformed their expectation this year. And then some great story. I think they're going to run into just a beast of a 49ers team that is great offensively, great defensively, not missing at all. Uh, like you said, they come into this one as 10-point favorites. They are getting 85% of all money at Bovada. They are the biggest back team so far. Over-under is sitting at 43. Gotta like the Niners in this one. Then the nightcap on Saturday, it's the Los Angeles Chargers traveling as pretty much as far as you can go. Uh, the Chargers travel to Jacksonville, Florida. The Jacksonville Jaguars are hosting a playoff game. Trevor Lawrence on the big stage, and this is a really close matchup. Absolutely, Seth. Uh, really intriguing one here as the Jaguars have finished the season uh, as one of the hottest teams in football. Uh, you know, Granted, they didn't always have uh, the toughest opponents, but hey, all you can do is beat the ones that are put in front of you each week. Trevor Lawrence has looked outstanding, did miss a couple passes late in that game against Tennessee to put them away, but otherwise has been the number one overall QB we all hoped he would be. Uh, what can I say about the Chargers? Uh, analytics, we love them. We like Herbert, great head coach. Uh, and this is why this is such a tight line in this one. Chargers come into this one as one point road favorites, which basically means the game's close to a pick em. It could go either way into kickoff. And that is what the action is currently breaking down at right now. We are seeing 50-50 bets on the Chargers and Jaguars in this one. The over-under is set at 47.5 of Odyssey, one of the higher ones of the weekend. Then there's a triple header on Sunday, the first game in Buffalo. Again, Highmark Stadium will be rocking. It's a mismatch to me. The Buffalo Bills are coming in, and if they need another game to kind of get themselves righted, it's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I, I like the Bills here big time. Seth, yeah, the big question mark coming into this one will, of course, be the status of Dolphins QB Tua Tagovailoa. He has uh, been out with his second concussion of the season. Uh, and in both instances, it seemed pretty obvious when they occurred uh, how messed up he was. Uh, you know, the Packers game, it was really a tale of two halves where he absolutely lit them up in the second half, could not find his own receivers. Having said that, uh, this game currently has restricted limits just because of our uncertainty around uh, Tua and the QB situation in Miami. Uh, having said that, we do have a line out right now because we have to have a line out there right now. It is currently 10 and a half points that the Bills are favored right now. The over-under is sitting at 44 and a half right now as well. 
So again, you're gonna to wanna to keep on top of social media here and wait for those Adam Schefter updates because if two is in, two is out, you can try and beat us to the trigger at the Vada. Should be a good one either way. Then another really intriguing matchup. Two teams that have been doing it. Some would say smoke and mirrors. The 9-7-1 New York Giants traveling to Minnesota to take on the 13-4 Vikings. 8-1 and one at home during the season and yet just a small favorite. Seth, uh, I, I think for listeners to the podcast, uh, there's no secret at all, if I can borrow a phrase, as to what I think about the Minnesota Vikings this year. Um, they come into the playoffs 13-4 with a negative point differential. They have allowed more points than they've scored. They have been as lucky as a horseshoes wearing a four-leaf clover. It's This team is not good. Having said that, they are fortunate enough in this wildcard weekend, super wildcard weekend, as we've been told, uh, to match up against a team like the Giants, who've also been a little bit of smoke and mirrors as well. Their record, you know, kind of better sums up what they've been able to do this year. I think the Giants have been a more fun team than the Vikings. The Vikings do have Jefferson, but otherwise we're looking at a matchup between two teams who should not be expected to go far in the NFC race. Uh, looking at the current price, the Vikings are three-point favorites at Bavada. The over-under is sitting at 48.5 right now. And then the rematch from last Sunday, the Baltimore Ravens traveled to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. You know, the Bengals were a team that, you know, a lot had to go right for them to get the number one seed. Uh, yet they're a team that, you know, they almost had a coin flip for this game. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens come in, beat up. You, you wonder about the status of Lamar Jackson. Uh, that's, to me, the deal breaker. Joe Burrow is healthy and playing well. Seth, you uh, hit the nail right on the head there. The big question mark here is the status of Lamar Jackson, who's been questionable week to week for going back more than a month now, I think. Yeah, you know, it, it would make sense that if the Ravens knew that they were getting the Bengals, no matter what in this game, just a matter of whether a coin toss would determine who was home or away, that it might make a little bit more sense for, for them to play a little bit of possum, rest Lamar for another weekend and try their luck here. Again, because of the uncertain injury status to the Ravens QB, we do have these limits currently restricted a little bit lower than the rest of the game lines uh, until we get that confirmation that either Lamar's in, Lamar's out. With that said, this is another opportunity for players if they want to dial up their social media, their Twitter notifications. The current line is Cincinnati, six and a half point favorites. They are taking about 70% of all bets. They are popular so far. The over under is sitting 43 and a half at Bavada. These will likely not be the lines at the end of the week. So bet early, bet often, folks. And then Monday night, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, who got thumped uh, by the Washington Commanders in their final game, uh, go to take on a team that lost at home and finished under 500 for the first time in 21 seasons that Tom Brady has been a quarterback in the National Football League. Tampa Bay hosting the Dallas Cowboys at Raymond James Stadium on Monday night. Seth, this is a really, really interesting game here for a lot of reasons. Uh, the, the Cowboys have looked pretty good for most of the year, especially offensively. One of the big question marks that fans have had has been uh, Dak Prescott's tendency to throw that oof pass. And when I say that oof pass, I don't mean like, oh no, that was a tough pass that ended up being a pick. Just what was he thinking when he threw that kind of pass? And he's been averaging one or two of those per week. Uh, he had at least three against the Redskins, or sorry, the Commanders, pardon me, pardon me. Uh, I think two were returned in that game, at least. And this is a Bucks defense, Seth, that, you know, for all the warts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had this year, their defense has been solid. This is a good matchup for them to feast on. And you know what? Tom Brady has had a terrible year in Tampa. That offense has been putrid. But their last couple of games of the season, it looks like Tom kind of knows who his receivers are again. Small sample size, hard to make a lot of that, but... It's no surprise to me that the Cowboys are very short favorites in this one set. They are three-point road favorites at Bavada. The action is 50-50 so far. A month ago, that would not be the case at all. But the Cowboys, they're limping into the playoffs. Got to be worried. That's Patrick Morrow. We squeezed it in. All seven NFL wildcard games should be a great weekend. A lot of football. And we will see what happens then. But next year... The NFL's Sunday ticket package is going to be on YouTube. Back to that conversation with Tom Richardson. Well, let's so, let's play this out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let, let's a guy I, I like and has been on the podcast, Ralph Garman. Uh, he lives in LA and he's a Philadelphia Eagles fan. His only way to see the Philadelphia Eagles was to purchase Sunday ticket on DirecTV. So he had to play pay the four hundred. Mm -hmm. One of the rumors about this new YouTube service is that 
in addition to buying all the games, you can legitimately buy one team. And we've seen other services like that. MLB.tv has something similar to that where you can buy just one team. Or NBA League Pass, yeah. Mm -hmm. NBA League Pass has, well, NBA League Pass, you can buy one game. I mean, Um, if you want to pay $1.99 for... You know, uh, you know the, the the Hawks versus the Pistons. I don't know why you would, but you know, <laughs> right. more power to you. Right. My, the my point being, if we just do simple math and say that there's no way YouTube comes out and charges four hundred, I we don't know what the number is, but we're guessing that it's not going to be four hundred. What percentage of that do you think one team would be? And I would venture to say, and I said this to you off air. I would think that 90% of DirecTV's Sunday ticket subscribers only buy it for one team. They buy it because they are an out-of-market fan of a team. You are mm-hmm. a Patriots fan who lives in New Jersey. You're mm-hmm. a you're a Detroit Lions fan that lives in Oklahoma. The, the only way to watch your team is to get that package. And what the rumor is is that they're going to offer teams a la carte. That can't be more than $100. Yeah, but Seth, the key word there and what you just said is rumor. I'll believe but, it. When but I, but I, honestly, you don't, you I, don't I, think I really, that they would is, offer something like that? This is my personal opinion. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I have a feeling in V1 of this new product, that is not going to be the case. Really? Because that is really breaking the mold. That's my personal opinion. Because one thing I pointed out when you brought up something that I bring up every semester in my class, when the NBA first announced that they were selling digital access to a single game, I recall the price. It was $6.99 to get one game. That was back in, I think, 2016. Right. You and radical, I had a conversation. It was a would radical you pay $6.99 idea. $6.99 for one basket. I, I wrote an essay about this on LinkedIn, yeah, basically saying this. This, is, this was such a pivotal moment in the history of sports media because the yeah. first time a single game was actually broken down to a specific dollar price. Never had that been done before in the history, other than a pay-per-view, let's say boxing match, WWE, whatever. But a single regular season game was broken down to say, and you can imagine, by the way, the the hand-wringing that was going on at the NBA office to figure out what that price should be, because there was no magical formula to figure it out. It was, it was probably by feel. So, this notion of like what when when you atomize the content and the and the present and the distribution of the content and say okay what is the whole package worth let's say it's four hundred dollars or reduced in this new deal and then what is an individual team package worth okay that's possibly a different a lower price what about an individual game that's definitely not coming in this deal uh, as as I understand it but it it is does raise the question of what is this worth and what should the structure be going forward? I think, Seth, for a second, we should look at what the NBA just did. Uh, it was announced by the LA Clippers that they were launching Clipper Vision. Clipper Vision is a direct-to-consumer Clipper-specific streaming services service. First so you don't have to have cable and you can you can right. use so a device look, and it's geo it's geo fence, so it's only for the LA area. And if you love the Clippers, you can get access to all their games plus extra content on a, a team-specific streaming service. That's a kind of a radical development in the business. Now, here's the interesting thing. Well, it's a, game, it's a game changer because it takes the RSN out of it. Right, but it's gonna, it's gonna, this is going to get me to my point vis-a-vis NFL and YouTube. What was interesting to me is when I read about that, the first thing I did was I actually went to the page to study the offer. Guess how much they are charging for Clipper Vision if you'd like to subscribe to Clipper Vision. Single team streaming service. For a season or for a game? Or a subscription, yeah. Well, a, a annualized basis. That's 82 games. I I would say north of $150. It was 199. Yeah. Now, okay, keep that in mind. 199. So let's round it up to 200. Do you know what NBA League Pass is now for the year? Because the price came down in 2022. Do you know NBA what that is League, for your now? Is NBA League Pass available everywhere? I, I, yeah. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Or is it yeah. just Direct TV? Oh no, that's available. It's been around direct to, 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 so to NBA consumer League for years. Pass you can get if you have any. You could cable have done it service. two years ago, five years ago, whatever. No, no, no. But you have to have a cable service. You no, can, 
I can't get NBA League Pass. Yes, you can. You watch it on all devices for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so it's 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 not you know TV anywhere kind of thing. It's a direct to consumer product like MLB.tv and, and others. Well, but, but the interesting thing about MLB.tv is you can't watch the Orioles in Baltimore. I know, but I'm so that's what we're getting to here. Right. But guess the price if you don't know it of NBA League Pass for the season. NBA League Pass for the whole league. I would except, except you're in market teams, except you're, except, you're, in, except market you're teams. in market teams, which to me is defeats the purpose. Um, $300, $100, really? 99. So it's $99 for I every. Yes. So I mentioned that they brought their price down this year, but I mentioned this because that's that fact stopped me in my tracks. I, so I studied the Clipper vision page and I said, wow, 199. That's a lot of money for one team. Let me re- refresh my memory on what league passes. I go to NBA League Pass, ninety nine. So, right, but if you're in I LA, had, League Pass can't get you Clipper. I know that's my that's where I'm getting to. So, so I had a bit of an aha moment, and for a second, I thought to myself, maybe this is the longer term future of streaming deals in uh, a streaming future in sports, where. If you want just your team, maybe there'll be a way to do it. Because you know, Seth, how it works in sports. If the Clippers are doing it, you know the Warriors are going to want to do it. If the Warriors are doing it, the Knicks are going to want to do it. If the Knicks are going to want to do it, Miami wants to do it. Don't that's even how... get me started on the MSG app. The MSG app is the uh, But that's what I'm saying. So, so that could be a sports. harbinger of things to come. And maybe the combo of the two packages, League Pass plus Clipper Vision or Knicks Vision or Warriors Vision, yep. could be the reality that we see in the future of uh, direct-to-consumer digital streaming, which is, in this case, for $300, the 100 plus than 199 yeah. for $300, you get everything you can digitally, which might... Right, if you if you live in LA, you, you, right. right, if you live That's in what I'm LA. saying. If, you, if you're that big an, an NBA fan, now to your point that perhaps a, a decently high percentage of fans just care about one team... Uh, that might be mitigated. But now that we have legalized well, but I sports think that's betting, the only there's thing more because don't forget the NFL. Games. See, the NBA staggers its games. You know, there's four games on a Tuesday, six games on a Wednesday. The, in the NFL, the Thursday night game, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game are not included in this. Right, right. They're still going to be available on on television, you know, on, on, on regular television. This is literally just out of market. What I what I'm well wait but but if you buy to... it but wait if you buy it through YouTube TV, YouTube TV like your Hulu with live sports has Fox, ESPN, right. CBS, etc. So you're going to get those games there, right? And the Sunday ticket wouldn't include a local game in the local market. Exactly. But the Eagles fan in Philadelphia, this doesn't apply to them. Right. This applies so, to the Eagles fan so, in California. So, so this raises the question of of how. Google and YouTube are going to approach the long-term marketing of this product because ultimately they clearly want more than 5 million subscribers to YouTube TV. They want to be a major player. So they're going to try to push the bundle, in my opinion, as much as they can and try to find incentives to say, hey, just get YouTube TV. This will be easier. This will be perhaps uh, broken down, less expensive, et cetera. And I think we're going to see a lot of experimentation as it relates to both the actual presentation of the games and the pricing and marketing around it for the next couple of years. Cause no, this is history. This is history being made here with this stuff. This stuff has never been done before. It's, it's fascinating. Well, the other aspect of this is the red zone. And we just had Scott Hansen on uh, the podcast, but also years ago we had Andrew Siciliano on the podcast. He hosted or he continue, you know, at the time of this recording, uh, he hosts the Sunday ticket, the uh, the Sunday ticket version of the Direct TV Red Zone. They call it Red Zone Channel, and Andrew does a phenomenal job. Um, that was the first Red Zone I was ever exposed to when I had Direct TV. Uh, Andrew and I went to college together. We we graduated together. Um, Andrew's one of my favorite people going. But front office sports reported that that show is simply going to be canceled. Now, here's my question. Red zone, the NFL red zone, the Scott Hansen red zone, is being promoted on every cable and streaming service under the sun. Mm-hmm. The NFL red zone, unlike the one that is exclusive to DirecTV, 
is on Hulu. It's on YouTube. It's on Fubo. It's on Sling. It's on Peacock. You can get it through Peacock, I believe. You can get it on United Airlines. You can get it on Delta. You can get it in bars. You can get it everywhere. In your opinion, do you think that YouTube says, stop spreading that red zone away er, everywhere, bring it in-house, and make people subscribe to one of our products to get that red zone? Because that would be a critical error. I don't believe that was covered in all the press or in the formal announcement about the new deal and in some of the um, the mainstream coverage, at least that I read. As, as I understand it, Seth, and please confirm this, right now, if you subscribe to YouTube TV, you can add Red Zone as through an upsell of $11 a month. Right. Hulu, it's it, it, right. I think it's right. $10. So, so, so right. that version, thing. that version of, um, of red zone is the ladder, right? That's the NFL red zone that you're it's adding. The NFL red zone, right? Okay, and it's, NFL network by, is it's produced right. by NFL Network, right? And to me, the exposure of that, because I will argue that that has changed the way I watch the NFL. Mm-hmm. That when it was on the Directv service, I watched it because, again, I was supporting my friend. When Hulu got the deal, and that was two seasons ago. Uh, got the deal to air the red zone to me that's all i need Mm -hmm. you know one of the things i love about the red zone and i told scott hansen this is i love their touchdown montage at the end of the the show because it has the original calls from all the announcers right tom you know me i you know Mm -hmm. kenny albert's been on the podcast andrew catalan's been on the podcast ian eagle's been on the podcast you know jim nance uh joe buck all, all these announcers are what I love. And I love the idea that red zone presents all these different announcers because growing up, you only got, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I saw the jets and the giants. Sometimes I saw the Eagles and that was it. Mm -hmm. And to me, red zone is it. So now I will argue that if you are going to allow red zone to be seen on every place it is currently at, I don't think there's going to be a huge subscription to this Sunday ticket. If, wow. if, if you have a choice, yeah. if you have a choice to get, th- let's uh, for the sake of the argument, it's three hundred dollars for all these games, or a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars for a team. I would say because of the unfamiliarity with YouTube, I would say that if 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 your cable company or your streaming service allows for the red zone. That viewership is going to increase. The people who watch the Andrew Siciliano version are going to migrate to the Scott Hansen version. That audience will double much more than the Sunday ticket. And I think Google spent $2.5 billion for a less of an audience than DirecTV had. Well, devil's in the details as it relates to the contract itself. So, for example, Seth, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm wondering, is it possible that the red zone part of Sunday ticket would be included in my YouTube TV Sunday ticket package for three or $400. I don't think that is. I, I, again, unless the NFL comes out and tells all those streaming services, uh, you know, and cable companies, because if you have Xfinity or, or whatever the other optimum online or whatever these cable companies are called, I've been a cord cutter since 2017. So I don't, I don't do deal with cable. I love getting those spam calls, by the way, that tell me I can save money on my DirecTV. Right. <laughs> I, I canceled DirecTV. But wait, but now, Seth, that's, a, that's a really big question because if it's possible that the only way to access Red Zone would be through this new digital version of Sunday Ticket that's going through YouTube. If I were the YouTube negotiator, obviously that's what I'd be looking for. I, I, have no more way. exclusivity. There's no way. But interesting, but isn't it interesting that that wasn't really discussed much? That wasn't discussed much in the coverage of this new deal. But but what when I had Scott on the show, we talked about the idea that the popularity of that show is not because people find him charming. No no offense to him, I Mm -hmm. he's very charming. No, I understand the popularity. Everybody understands the popularity has been because of the increased exposure. And if you're going to have the exposure that Red Zone has. 
and you're telling me that it, it, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of another. It's it's one app versus another app. If I will be annoyed if Hulu then tells me, hey, next season I can't get Red Zone. I can't pay my $10. Well, you may be annoyed, but that's happening everywhere in the business. I mean, you may be annoyed as an MLS fan that you can't get MLS on ESPN starting in February. So get get used to it, everybody. This is the new world. And I'm, but, and I'm not right. saying you have to agree Correct. with it. But this is but, the NFL. But, but, this but the, the reason NFL. they're paying these premium prices, these are, these are really high rights fees, obviously, is they want to have some level of exclusivity uh, or as high a level of exclusivity as possible in order to attract new customers. So if let's say the audience you just described that likes Red Zone from all these other distribution outlets is pissed off about this news and 50% of them say I'm boycotting Red Zone because I think this is ridiculous. They took it away from my current outlet. But 50% of them learn and decide that they're going to act on the fact that they have to go to YouTube for it, then they'd make 50%. Right. The MLS it. fans going right. to Apple. And that <laughs> $2.5 from from, from uh, Alphabet We'll, we'll we'll justify that if you know what I mean. So well, the interesting part about it is, I I just I don't see that happening because if you go by logic and you go by history, uh, the Directv Red Zone just is completing its 18th season. Scott Hansen is completing his 14th season. The reason why that is, is because when Sunday Ticket launched 18 seasons ago, they created this idea of Red Zone. Mm-hmm. And the NFL said more people should see this than the DirecTV audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they created their own. Rather right. than take something that DirecTV owned, they created their own. And at the time, I could argue, and I think I said this to uh, Siciliano, not to to Hanson, why would you compete against yourself? Because in, in essence, you know, you're competing against yourself. But in reality, you're not. Because if you have DirecTV, you had Siciliano. And if you had anything else, you had Hanson. So right. to me, the ar- the argument is, is that if DirecTV didn't stand up in 1998 and say, uh-uh, you can't have your own Red Zone channel, then I can't see Google doing it either. And so my instinct is going to be, is that A, Red Zone's going to be available wherever it has been. There's going to be an a la carte version of this Sunday ticket where you could get one team. And that's why I opened the podcast by saying this is the most consumer friendly streaming deal I have seen for a product that gets 44 million viewers on Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we, we just to be clear, we still don't know about the individual team right. option. No, that's the rumor. Uh, and we right. still don't that's know about the, this, this red zone. Situation. But in the but, press release, they talk about using YouTube's technology to uh, create interactivity. And, of course, I mean, and that's that's inevitable, that. that's inevitable, right? More, more yeah. You know what interactivity would be? Yeah. Uh, a la carte. Let me buy the Eagles in California. That's how. Um, no, well, that's a different definition of of interactivity, I would say. But look, I'm of a I'm a, of a mindset that there are moments in in time in the history of business, uh, let's say sports specifically where there are monumental changes that bring in a new era. I think we're witnessing that right now. Um, I mean, think about in 1994, when to the shock of everyone in the entire business, Rupert Murdoch and Fox got the rights to the NFC package from CBS, which had had it for a long time. That was revolutionary at the time. No one understood it. And it really changed the course of two companies. It obviously turned Fox into a major player in broadcast television and definitely in sports. And it really dinged CBS for a while, CBS Sports yeah. at least. Sure, I mean, obviously sure. they, they've done fine through the years. But this feels like right now, maybe not any one deal in particular at this moment in time, but it feels like this is the beginning of this new era where sacred, there are no sacred cows. History be damned. If new deals can be done for more money, um, to satisfy the ownership, then new deals will be done. And you, we as fans who have built our own patterns of viewing and enjoying this stuff will have to change our ways, just as we learn to do it with many other things in media. Uh, if I could plug a, a podcast, episode 334. So uh, about 150 episodes ago, 
uh, when John Madden passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We had former Fox Sports president Ed Gorin, mm-hmm. and he tells the story in that podcast about Rupert Murdoch's decision to just go for the NFL. Yeah. And yeah. it changed it, it created a television network. There, yeah. there is no Fox News without the NFL. I mean, they, they wouldn't have the Absolutely, resources. yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of my point. So maybe in three years when YouTube TV is among the top three or four streaming services, everybody will look back and say, wow, that was a great deal they made back in 22 uh, with that NFL Sunday ticket package. So I, I'm, I'm prepared for these changes, uh, at least emotionally, psychologically, um, and I am accepting the fact that some of my patterns of consumption will have to change. And I, I think we all have to accept that. And it is harder, frankly, for the older demographics to accept that. I don't think it's at, at all as hard for younger people to accept it. Oh, absolutely. Just give me the absolutely. app, give me the app and the login, and I'm right. good. Just tell me how yeah. to log right. in. To me, yeah. when when Thursday night football went to uh Amazon Prime. Um, that literally had no impact on my life. It was like press one button on Apple TV yeah. versus the other. I think button. if anything, Seth, and I've talked about this with Joe Favorito, and, and I still think about this every Thursday night when I watch NFL, if anything, it actually pointed out the frustrations and deficiencies of live football on television, which is the amount of commercial interruptions, which drives sure. me and many fans crazy. It's less noticeable on what I'd call traditional TV because of the desire by a lot of us to flip channels during commercial breaks. And whether we're looking at a couple minutes of The Godfather or the game, the the, the Knicks game on the other channel, it's really easy to do, the back button. That's harder in a digital environment. And I've noticed that each week, like I'm trying to hack my way through these commercial breaks, which I pretty much refuse to watch. And I realize it's not quite the same experience. And I actually like it less but the actual quality, the interaction, the choice of a brewing, a viewing options is all good. And it's like I said, we just have to get used to these different kind of experiences. Well, and that kind of raises uh, the final topic that I wanted to have on this podcast, and that is uh, businesses. Um, you know, I, I, I've talked about it on this this show. I do a, a tech show with Shelly Palmer uh, called TechStream. We've talked about it at great length. The infrastructure of the internet in the United States is not consistent uh, in all markets. And that's not by uh, poverty lines. Uh, That doesn't mean it's just uh, inner cities that are poor that don't have good internet. There are very rich neighborhoods, uh, upper middle class neighborhoods that don't have good internet uh, capabilities. Um, The cables just don't exist. Mm -hmm. And because of that fact, uh, when Amazon signed the deal for Thursday Night Football, they made a separate deal with DirecTV. And they created something where you can change your DirecTV account to something called DirecTV for Business. And in that service, and it was expensive, but it was worth it for these businesses, you could uh, get a channel number on DirecTV that had the Amazon Prime broadcast. Hmm. So you could okay. put Thursday Night Football. It has been my firm belief, and they even acknowledge it in the press release, that most sports bars in different parts of this country cannot stream nine different football games on a Sunday at one Mm o'clock. They simply can't handle the bandwidth. Right. And so as a result, the NFL and Google have to figure a way to get that on linear television. Now, they don't say how. My guess is, is that DirecTV is going to keep Sunday ticket and that DirecTV is going to have something where you're going to pay not $400, you're going to pay about $1,000 and have to convert your account to DirecTV for business and you're going to get access to these games. But $1,000 to keep the NFL and keep all those games humming in perfect HD quality in those sports bars, you know, it's going to be vital for their businesses. So it's, it's, it's a necessary evil. What is your stance on this idea that there are some places that can't stream just like you and I can, and that linear television has to survive simply because of a need base, not a desire base that everything we're talking about. If you watch the Emmy awards, 
the upcoming Emmy Awards, or the Oscars. Everything that is nominated for an award is on a streaming service, mm-hmm. right? Who's going to movie theaters anymore? Mm-hmm. Like we're changing the way we consume media, but there are some places that simply can't do it. And so take your Clipper vision argument. It's one thing to stream one Clipper game on 11 TVs. Right. It's another thing to have the Lions game, the Bears game, the Eagles game, the Jets game, the Giants game, the Dolphins game, all on on a, on a television, you know, all in one sports bar. Um, they can't handle the bandwidth. Yeah, and so th- there has to be some other way to do it. And it's kind of a long-winded question of one idea. Where do you see this going in five years? Do you think, A, places are going to get better bandwidth? Or is it going to be B, we're going to have to keep the DirecTVs around because they have a service that works? It's a great question. And I think it's fair to say that we're in a transitional stage right now where you're absolutely right about the lag and the concern about bad bandwidth for streaming. So this is a really important issue to the NFL and other leagues because, as you probably know, Nielsen started including out-of-home viewing in its ratings a few years ago which had been the desire of the of the networks and the, the business for a long time, sports business for a long time. So those eyeballs from out of home, which are typically in restaurants and bars, sports bars and, and such, are extremely important. And to your point, it has to be a good experience because that's what we all expect when we watch live sports. Well, that's and what you want, that right. may not be possible depending on the quality of the wife, the, 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 uh, the, um, network situation in any given bar or restaurant in a different part of the country, whatever. So it's a really big issue. However, so right now, yes, there, there we need to, I, I believe there needs to be some kind of maintenance of the old system uh, while we transition. The technology will get there inevitably, I believe. I don't know how many years away, but I believe for the short, for the near term, we'll see that dual solution because there's really no option right now. Also, Seth, you bring up an interesting point. Think about the options we have watching Amazon Prime Video on Thursday night. Some weeks, they have as many as four options. Dude Perfect, I don't know, Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm, Spanish version, etc. I know. And when, I, never, when, when, I never watch any of them. <laughs> I, I usually just click on them for a few minutes just to see what they're like. Uh, or the Manning cast for Monday Night Football, yeah, or whatever. Good the, yeah. the point is, there's going to be all kinds of options. We're just early days in, in the idea of alternative broadcasts. So how are these bar owners going to program in a digital future when there's eight simultaneous NFL games on a Sunday with all different choices? Uh, and then there's a question of a Nielsen whether those those presentations out of home count. And apparently if the consumers can hear the audio of the commercials and they're counted, it's this kind oh of goodness. geeky situation in terms of advertising technology. But it raises a really big question because out of home, ostensibly, even uh, if we were to have other uh, pandemic related issues, it's never going to go away for good. There's going to be out of home viewing of sports. People like to gather to watch big events whether it's Premier Leagues on, on Sunday mornings sure. in bars or, or World Cup or NFL games on Sunday afternoons. So I, I think you're right. I mean, I think- that, that Peacock app is the smartest money. I mean, I watched the Arsenal and I've watched it for two years, but I have access to every Premier League game, $5 a month. Yeah, yeah. $5 a month. But, but I think I what, I would, what, I, what I'd say is, and this to me is just a really interesting topic because – and it relates to what we talk about in my digital media class at Columbia. Um, when you read about these deals, we kind of can react as fans. And you have that you had that visceral reaction as like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work because I want my red zone, you know, my other places. And and then we when we take off our fan hat and we put on our our business analyst hat, which I think we in the, who work in the business need to do to say, well, what's really going on here? What are the implications? And when you start talking about it and analyzing, you realize all these interconnections, which we've referenced today, just on this one deal, there's, it's vast and it's complicated. There are no easy answers. And I like to remind myself and those of whom I work with at Columbia students and such, that a lot of this is experimentation. This is trailblazing 
in the world of media delivery in our world. This has not been done before. These issues have not necessarily been addressed before. But you see how the confluence of circumstances are bringing us to the precipice of a future where this stuff will all be possible technically. And then, Seth, by the way, we're, we haven't even included an issue that apparently created a snag in the Apple negotiation with NFL, which is the opportunity to get rights for future um, versions of the content, such as mixed reality, um, because that's coming as well. So as we look at this new phase of streaming that has now been illustrated by the likes of Amazon uh, and uh, some of the stuff we've seen Google already do in Facebook and, and the others, is we're realizing that we're witnessing kind of the stuff like we did in the early days of internet, late 90s. These, these are experiments. No one really knows where it's going to go. But I think if we try to keep a sober mind and not lead intellectually with our fan hat on, but rather with our business analyst hat on, you can kind of get a better sense of where these issues may take us. Um, and it's I, I, my, my the last word on that is I think the majority of sports viewing will be on big tech platforms by the end of the decade. That's yeah. my personal opinion. I, you know, I read a lot of uh, end of year, you know, sports media uh, articles. I'm sure you, you saw the same ones that I did. Uh, the biggest thing that I noticed, I, I read this in Sports Business Journal. Um, I think the biggest thing is the RSNs. Um, you know, Sinclair owns all those RSNs. They're all hemorrhaging money. I think the rate, the rights deals are changing. And I think, you know, you know, I, I've told this story a dozen times on this podcast. I have a 14 year old daughter who loves the New Jersey Devils. It is such a complicated thing and it involves borrowed passwords and computer access and mm -hmm. airplay to get a Devils game on a television. Right. When that kid goes to college, unless she goes to college out of market, she has no access to the to the New Jersey Devils mm -hmm. to take an 18 year old fan of any team. I don't care what sport this is, baseball, basketball, hockey, anything to take that fan and make it hard for them to watch your sport is the literally the stupidest move a sports league can make. Fix that before you do anything right but but Seth, have I, I, ha I have available. to respond to that and say that the 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 allure of big dollar deals in the way the media business has unfolded vis-a-vis -vis big tech is, is irresistible to, to to owners in sports so let's use the example of la liga and bundesliga coming over to the u.s they could have done deals that would have brought them way wider distribution but they chose to ultimately and bundesliga did it initially with fox but they chose to go into ESPN Plus, which has a subscription base of roughly 22 or 3 million, which by media standards is a low addressable Agreed. market. So guess what? If you talk to a lot of soccer fans, and, and I do because of uh, the young people I work with at Columbia, some of them from Europe, are they subscribing to this, uh, this stuff? Are they are they as in, engaged with those two leagues as they might have been otherwise with better distribution? No, they're not. No. They're not, and there's, as you know, there's no buzz other than the name Messi and Ronaldo. And Messi's not even in uh, the one of those two leagues anymore. He's in in, in, yep. in France. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, there's no buzz in the American sports culture about Spanish soccer or German soccer right now. At least NBC, with with the Peacock deal, and then the, the Bravo the, the Bravo right? asset puts puts it on. You can still see a lot of the games on. Um, regular TV. So, so this is the reach versus rev revenue argument or debate that that has been uh, around since the beginning of the, the sports business in the media. And I understand that, but, yeah. but watching German soccer in the United States should not be easier than watching your local team. Watching you know, the, I, I, the but Orioles yeah, but in Baltimore. I, I agree I, with you, I, but it's, it's part of the it's part of the same problem. So. If if there was a way for the NHL and uh, the Devils to do something that would be better for reach and access, 
Right, doesn't have didn't, to be free. I, I, but I'm it didn't give them as money. much money than they have the that debate. That Clipper whether... vision makes a lot of sense. That Clipper thing makes a lot of sense. I was annoyed, and I said this on the podcast. We did a bunch of podcasts when the Seattle Kraken came into the league. Streaming was not yet at 50-50 in terms of you know people that had cut the cord, but the Seattle Kraken came in to the league last season. Last season. And they did a deal with Root Sports. All right. Well, well, Seth, now that you know about Clipper Vision and you said that about the Devils and your daughter, let, let me ask you a prediction for 23 and beyond with the delivery of local games. Will we see more Team Vision products? Yeah, I, I think I, oh, I think it's blank. coming. Vision oh, I, I think it's coming. Service. I, okay. I think, you know, the, the example is the amount of energy that these networks are spending on their apps. You know, mm-hmm. Yes Network, for example, has their app, mm-hmm. and uh, Nesson has the same thing. They yeah. have they have a streaming service. Um, you can get Nesson, uh, you know, uh, uh, without cable, mm-hmm. um, but you have to buy all of Nesson. You can't just get the right. Red Sox. It, it, you know, there, there's different ways in which you do it. Right. But the argument, the argument, at least from my perspective, is to me, it, it's so much more important. Not because I, 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 I'm not discounting anything you're saying, but you're losing young fans. And I'll tell you who should be the at the forefront of this is stinking baseball. Absolutely. Because you and I have talked about that many times. is so right. stinking old. Yeah. And it, it, it just has to happen. We had Gary Bettman on this podcast, uh, the commissioner of the NHL, on t- episode 299. And I asked him this exact question. My kid was 12 then. Uh, and all I said at the time, and he looked me right in the eye, kind of like you are right now, and he said, "We know we're on it." That's all he said. Yeah, and I get it, and I yeah. totally get it. Tom, how can people find you on social media? Um, let's see. Well, I'm still active on Twitter, while Twitter is still somewhat popular. <laughs> uh, hoping, I'm anxious to see what happens in 2023 with Twitter uh, at Convergence TR. And as you know, I stick to my knitting. I I concentrate on digital media and the sports business and technology and related. Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn if anybody wants to reach out. Um, And then if you don't mind me giving a quick plug for our podcast. Sure, sure. So it's called The Cusp Show. We talk about the business of sports, and I do that with my partner. Cusp stands for Columbia University University Sports Sports Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, and you can find it on Apple and Spotify and stuff. And I do that with Joe Fabrito, who uh, many people know. He's and booked a, about forty percent of... of this podcast. No, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, he does eighty-four episodes. He's done at least a hundred of them. I, I hope you're paying him some kind of booking consulting yeah, fee right. or something that's like right. that. Uh, but yeah, and uh, happy to uh, talk through that as well. Um, and then finally, um, if anybody wants to reach out for business, T Richardson at Mercury.io. We do a lot of great applications for some big accounts like Comcast and Red Bull. We've been working with the NBA, but Bally, et cetera. So we're kind of right in the middle of this game set. That's one reason why I'm so interested in it and follow it so closely. Because ultimately, as you pointed out, it comes down to building these great experiences and then getting the distribution that allows you to reach your audience and kind of find that balance between finding the money and and continuing to build new audiences as they age. You are an absolute gem on this podcast. You have an open invite anytime. Uh, If you have something to promote, something you want to talk about, uh, get it off your chest. You have your own podcast, so why bother with this one? But you're welcome to this one any, any time. Tom, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. It It was a pleasure. That's Tom Richardson. And again, uh, all of his uh, connections are in the show notes for the podcast. Uh, we will continue next week. We're going to talk about Nickelodeon and what's role, what its role uh, with this streaming stuff. And uh, we're going to talk to one of the people behind the Nickelodeon broadcast of NFL games uh, right here on Sports with Friends. So make sure you check out that one. Check out this one. Do us a favor. Drop us a review. You can give us a five-star rating if you're so inclined. That is still how iTunes markets podcasts. So thanks to Tom Richardson for joining us this week. Thanks for the patience in releasing this podcast. We're still so thinking about DeMar Hamlin and his recovery, and I'm looking forward to the NFL playoffs. And I love talking about streaming. I think streaming is the future of entertainment, and where it goes is the great question. 
So, yeah, we'll revisit this topic again. We'll see you next week. Andrew Catalan from CBS is going to return to the podcast. So we're going to talk about this NFL season and uh, where we are at the playoffs. We're looking forward to that. We'll see you then. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come on, Have been the kind of person that you really.